In this episode of ZetCast, Abilene, Texas City Manager Robert Hanna joins us. We talk about the difficulties inherent with complicated projects, steering large organizations toward a common goal, and gaining community buy-in for potentially controversial proposals. This is ZetCast Episode 7. Here we go. All right, guys, I want to welcome you to ZachCast. Uh, today we have a special guest, Robert Hanna. Uh, he is the city manager of Abilene, Texas. Uh, Robert and I have known each other since I was a young pup. Uh, but Robert, welcome to ZachCast, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really, really glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, uh, Chad's with me as well. Uh, this is our first time to Skype in a guest, so we're, uh, we're working through the kinks for sure. Uh, but give us just a little bit uh, about yourself. Tell us how you started your career and what cities you've been in. Oh, sure. Well... Uh, I started my career as an intern for the town of Addison and uh, then went to Denton um, as a management assistant, worked with Mike Condiff, who was a heck of a guy, and uh, was blessed to have him take an interest in, my, in, my, in me and my profession. And uh, he came up to me one day and said, it's time for you to leave Denton and line me up with a job in Hudson Oaks as the assistant city administrator. I was there for about six months. They made me the city administrator. Um, and that's where you and I met. I hired yeah. you out of grad school. And... Um, then I got plucked to go to Weatherford as an assistant CM, and then Denison as a CM, and now in Abilene as a CM. I got about, well, coming up on 19 years of doing this stuff, and it's, uh, I never thought I'd have so much fun at a job, but I really enjoy being a city manager. So much fun. So don't forget, uh, Robert, you brought me over to Weatherford, too. I did. I stole uh, you from Fort Worth. So the, the funny thing there is that, for anyone listening, if Robert offers you a job, if he tries to handpick you and bring you out, just to understand, he's probably going to be leaving in about six months. <laughs> well, it's six months to a year. <laughs> it's, all part of, it's all part of the succession plan. Yeah, but I will say that he'll stay with you uh, from our mentorship standpoint. So no worries. Just just heads up. I got your back, man. <laughs> he, he is currently the reigning TCMA mentor of the year, right? Isn't that technically what you are right now? So That is. Uh, I have to pay people to get that, though. But yes. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fantastic. So, you know, kind of to give some history there. Uh, Robert and I actually met over a mock interview, uh, and 13 years later, I'm still in the same city you plucked me to. So it worked out well for me. I appreciate that. It did. You have done well for yourself. Well, Hey Robert, I want to go specifically into some things that you're doing in Abilene, which are a little bit different. Uh, one of the things about Zach cast that we want to talk about is the creativity that's occurring within city government. Uh, and I want you to talk a little bit about, uh, the convention center project that you guys are working on in downtown Abilene. Sure. So we, uh, when I first got to Abilene, uh, the mayor at the time took me to Dallas and we talked to a company about building a downtown convention center hotel. And uh, the deal they were pushing was just horrible uh, for the community. It didn't put us in a position where we were seeing any return on the investment. We were just handing out dollars. And so uh, what we decided to do was continue to work with our state uh, representative and state senator and work on a piece of legislation that would allow us to take advantage of uh, what the tax code calls an eligible central municipality. Um, that allows us to take the state portion of the sales tax and the state portion of the hotel occupancy tax um, tied to about a thousand foot radius of an eligible hotel project and use that to pay for the debt service associated with building the convention center associated with that hotel or even some elements of the hotel. So we worked hard to get that done uh, two legislative sessions ago and then spent uh, the other better part of two years um, trying to get this 
project off the ground, and it's extremely complicated. Um, we worked uh, really hard to get a private equity partner, and we just weren't able to do it. So um, we had an idea to create a local government corporation um, that's allowed. Um, most cities have access to them through the transportation code, and so we were able to do that. And local government corporations only exist to do things that cities can't do. So since we really can't own uh, own a hotel, um, we the LGC can. So we created this LGC. Uh, it's a separate corporation from the city of Abilene, um, but the board members are appointed by the council. And the LGC is going to going to create going to build this hotel. It'll be operated uh, by a third party operator. It'll be a Hilton product. Be branded as a Hilton DoubleTree. Um, and they will they'll issue debt for the hotel. City of Abilene will issue debt for the convention center facilities that we're building in association with the hotel. And we'll have a 206 room uh, hotel with about, I don't know, 20 something thousand square feet of uh, meeting space, uh, pre-function space. It'll be a full service uh, restaurant, uh, a bar, uh, full service uh, conference facility kitchen. It'll be the best hotel between here uh, in Lubbock for certain, uh, for, for between Fort Worth and Lubbock for certain. It's going to be first class, best hotel in Avalon. So uh, specifically on this project, did you see somebody else that had used an LGC in the past and try to mimic what they were doing, or did you guys find a path that had not yet been used? Well, I, I, I don't want to say that we've never, that other people haven't ever used this path before because they sure have. I mean, you look at um, local government corporations are used across the state of Texas, um, by larger cities in particular. Houston has several hotels that are through uh, LGCs. I think the I think the Omni in Fort Worth or the one in Dallas may be. Um, so I won't say we, we, did, we invented the wheel. We didn't do that, but from a city of our size to do something like this, um, I think it is fairly innovative. Uh, the way we've got the debt structured, I think is the more innovative portion. All the LGC debt is, is uh, non-recourse to the city of Abilene, so we don't have to pay any of that back if the hotel you know, just is a complete failure. Uh, the taxpayers aren't going to be on the hook for that, except for one small portion of the uh, liens. There's a three liens of so the taxpayers. We have to give a credit enhancement to the third lien, and that credit enhancement just means uh, we're doing that so we can get a, a rate that's reasonable. Um, but we've worked with our local foundations, and they are buying that through private placement. So, um, I'm, I'm fairly confident that if we ever ran into trouble, we'd be able to work with our local foundations who are extremely generous for the city um, to try to come to an arrangement that protects the taxpayers. Uh, the other thing that foundations are doing, they're putting money in, in the, com the conference side. So all told of a $64, $66 million project, they're putting about $19 million into those projects. So uh, we wouldn't be able to do this really without them. So leveraging um, foundation support about seven to eight million dollars worth of state tax revenue um, and then the rest of it will come from the city's uh, sales tax and hot tax revenue generated by the hotel uh, based on the performer and the numbers and the debt service we should be uh, we should have a very healthy product so so that most people that we deal with you know not everybody understands debt structures right and and how debt is structured so when you say private placement, uh, you know, obviously there are two different types of, of major debt placements. There's a public placement where you actually go out and get rated dollars, right? Yep. And then yep. there is a private placement where you have a buyer on the private market and you don't have to go out to the public market. You guys are doing the private side, correct? Well, we're doing both. Okay. Um, that third lien, so there's, there's on, the, on the hotel side, there's three tranches of debt. There's a senior, subordinate, and junior lien. 
the senior and subordinate are going to be sold through a public offering via Citigroup uh, out in New York. And uh, we've already, uh, we feel very bullish on these bonds. Uh, they, uh, Citigroup is uh, in the process of selling some now uh, for another product. And the market, as they said, is healthy for this type of investment. So we're working hard to get our project uh, designed, finalized, and get a uh, guaranteed uh, maximum price so we can go to the markets and get, get some debt because rates are really healthy right now too. They're really attractive. Yeah, they, the, they very much so. And we're, we're doing a placement right now on some water debt. It, I mean, it's it's crazy how low the rates have gone on long-term we debt. Just, we just issued 30 something, $8 million, $38 million for GOs and some other, and some uh, COs. We got like an aggregate rate of 2.75. It's just, it's ridiculously cheap, yeah. uh, which is great. Uh, take advantage of all you can. Um, the But the third lien um, because it has to be credit enhanced, um, originally we're going to go on a public offering model, but since I have the foundations that are interested in buying it, we're going to give them a little bit of a higher coupon, um, but uh, we might get in a public offering, but we have we have some guarantees we don't necessarily have through the public offering process in regards to repayment. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes sense. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's a very interesting setup, especially when you have, um, when you have good... Uh, private foundations that are willing to invest in your community. It's an incredible blessing. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So, so what what is the timeline? Do you think to actually get this thing to construction and completion? And when when do you foresee that I'm going to be able to get a hotel room at this location? Uh-huh. Uh, January of 2022. Uh, okay. We have uh, we started design work in earnest, and that's about a nine month process. So we think um, well six to nine months. We think probably March, April, or May. We'll be done with the design. We'll get our maximum. We'll, we'll get our uh, budget, final budget dollars established for the design build contract. Probably issue debt in July of 2020. Um, fund the construction, and it's about an 18-month window. So we're thinking January of 2022. Uh, you can come down to Abilene and stay in a brand new double tree. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really important conversation to have. I, I was, uh, I was talking to a couple other cities that have also put their hat in the ring for this. Uh, for the qualifications at the state level, uh, mm-hmm. the special legislation that the cities have to get in order to qualify for the thousand feet. Um, I believe less than 10% of the cities that have actually gotten the qualification have been able to utilize it as in put things together to get it through. I mean, you guys have really had to muscle through to, to make this work. These are not easy to developments to, to have. I mean, I think it's important to talk about how difficult that really is. Yeah. This is not something that's that you just pull off a shelf and do every project is individual um, and unique to that city and that community and what they want to do and what they don't want to do. Some cities don't want to own a hotel. Uh, some of them have a philosophical objection to it. Uh, Ablin would be one of those, uh, but it's the only way that council, uh, we could do this and council finally said it's worth us. It's worth it enough to make this happen. Um, House Bill 4347 is legislation that was passed this last session that kind of renewed this whole process because uh, legislative session before that, they put a uh, sunset if you hadn't started your project um, by September of 2019, you were no longer eligible. So uh, 4347 corrected that sunset provision, uh, removed it completely, but they also made some other program requirements to help tighten it up. Some cities are out there trying to build a water park in a hotel and call it a convention center. Um, the state of Texas doesn't have a lot of patience for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes the people that are really trying to push the bleed, leading bleeding edge on the legality of a project end up killing the goose for everybody else. So 
if you listen to this, just follow the law. Don't don't try to do anything so crazy you're going to kill it for everybody else. Um, but uh, hotel convention center is not easy to do. It took us really four years of constant work. I met once a week for four years with the developers pushing wow. through the project. Um, it took us about seven or eight months to get our uh, letter ruling from the comptroller's office, and we were the first one in our House Bill 4347 to do so. So we're ahead of the pack right now a little bit, and we're looking forward to uh, getting under construction as fast as we can. So that arrangement is just for the full term of the debt that's taken out, or it's, is that ongoing? No, it's a great question. It's for 10 years. There's a 10-year window. And so the way we're structuring our debt for this is because I've, I've got different pots of money. I've got some foundation grants. I've got state revenue. I've got our own hotel tax revenue. Um, so my foundation grants, uh, because they're payable over five years, I've got a, a small issuance that's going to be repaid in five years. The state issuance is tied to 10 years. Um, and it, it, it retires in 10 years. And then I've got a little chunk left. I got about 12 million left that we're going to have to pay over, over uh, 20 years on the city side, uh, that's payable through hotel revenues and the taxes generated by, by that hotel, not any other hotel in town, just that hotel. So, I mean, I think it's also important to talk about what's going on in downtown Abilene, uh, like other cities that are more, you know, Metroplex related or, or interior you guys are actually seeing a rebirth in your downtown and, and this project is going to be, you know, imperative to continuing that. Correct. Yeah. There's been a lot of people that have, have done some private investment in downtown Abilene and we've partnered a little bit with uh, some demolition grants and some facade grants, uh, $20,000 here, you know, maybe a hundred thousand dollars there, nothing um, crazy. And it was all dependent upon the project. We tried to say 10% below CapEx. Um, we've never really gotten to that number except for one development. Um, and they had literally started with a pit in the middle of downtown. So they need a little extra help. Um, but uh, uh, it, there is a bit of a renaissance. And the people who have been in Abilene the longest uh, say they can't remember a time we've had so much construction and so much reinvestment in our downtown. Um, since the very early days, frankly, of the foundations of the Dodge Jones Foundation and the work they did to rebuild the Grace Museum and the work that they did to rebuild the TMP Depot, um, the Elks Lodge building. We have some beautiful historic buildings that have all been uh, redone as a labor of love uh, by our foundations. And they were done in the 80s and the 90s. And then uh, the city just kind of let the torch go, um, didn't keep carrying the torch. And so uh, we're doing that now. Uh, one of council's priorities is infill development in the downtown hotel. Uh, both downtown redevelopment and the downtown hotel are intimately increment or inter intimately linked with that concept of infill development. Um, a lot of folks are doing their reinvestment on the promise of the hotel. Uh, they know it's coming, and so it's just this concept that it's out there. But when it gets built, I imagine it to be an even more powerful catalyst than it already has been. So. Are your facade grants, uh, are they geographically based? Are they only in the downtown area? How do you feel that program has worked? And the transportation fee that was recently approved, uh, are you seeing additional dollars going into rehabbing that downtown area? Uh, are you hitting, uh, is, is it freeing up money to do things like maybe sidewalk improvements or enhance walkability in the downtown area? Oh, that's a really good question, Jen. Um, so we're, we created a TERS and we created a neighborhood empowerment zone. And so uh, they don't overlap but they share some space. Um, and in the tur you have to be in the TERS to be able to get a demolition grant or a facade grant because you're using TERS dollars for that purpose. Um, the empowerment zone is just an opportunity to uh, 
provide some incentives by waiving fees, um, uh, giving alternative zoning opportunities. People uh, can, can look at some different things from energy code requirements. Um, we don't have uh, impact fees, but under state law, the only way I'm aware of to waive an impact fee is via an empowerment zone. Um, otherwise, I think everybody's got to pay that thing. Um, at least they did last time I looked at it when I was in Weatherford, um, so it was some years ago. But uh, the street maintenance fee, which we, with the voters approved, by the way, um, in 2018, um, majority of the voters went to the polls and voted for the street maintenance fee. It's 675 per resident, and then it's either 25 to 75 bucks per business, depending on the pack traffic you generate. And we determined that uh, by the International Transportation Engineers um, a trip index. It's something they publish every now and then. So we look at the business, we see what your category is, we determine how many vehicle trips you have. Um, it's it's really an imperfect, as we've learned, as we've implemented this thing, is completely imperfect, but it's the only thing that really is out there that's objective. So that's what we're using. It's the first ordinance I ever wrote in the city of Bryan was well, the transportation fee ordinance, yeah. <laughs> but it's, and we didn't, as you know, we didn't invent that. Other cities have, have done it. Um, in fact, through, yeah, through lawsuits mainly, we figured yeah. that one out. That's right. Um, and we talked about it maybe in Hudson Oaks years ago, but we deserve, we decided, I decided since we're general law, I didn't want to try to move in that direction. And probably council wouldn't have gone there anyways. But Yeah, our council actually still sees it as a strategic priority long term for the city to have that option. But yeah. it, would take, it would take a legislative action to do it. We, we couldn't do it internally. Yeah. You just don't, general laws don't have the authority to do it. But um, so we're home rule, and we do, and the voters approved it. Uh, one of our very conservative senators said, look, your voters approved it. I don't have any problems with it as long as the voters approve it. So I think we're going to be okay if it ever gets challenged. Um, but the money we're using for that is really going to fix streets. It's not being tied to sidewalks at all at this point in time. We have, back in 2009, Abilene um, experienced their version of the Great Recession, and it finally caught up to them, I guess. And they ended up having to they gutted. They just gutted the public works department. Um, it's the easiest I, money to go get. I know it is. And the problem is, um, you know, it was that way for a decade. They never put the money back. And so when I got there, we had $380,000 as a line item for maintenance and materials. Well, I'm a hundred thousand, I'm a hundred, hundred point two square miles. I've got 700 and something lane miles. Um, if you do center lane miles, I've got like 1400 something center lane miles and I've got $385,000 to spend on road maintenance. The city of Hudson Oaks has a hard, larger road maintenance budget than the city of Abilene did. That was but, correct, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's just it was horrible. So, um, the people made the decisions they had to make at the time, and they were the right decisions for them at the time. But we had to come back and find a way to fix this problem because our roads were just crumbling. And so uh, we dug deep, and we had like oh man, we had like forty something public hearings. It was it was a it was something that we really had to push hard to. Um, and it's frankly, it's very controversial still. Um, there's a lot of citizens who don't like it. There's a lot of citizens who think it's genius. There's a lot of citizens who just pull their nose and pay it. Um, but we're able to bring in about four and a half, five million dollars annually uh, for road maintenance now, which is beginning to make an impact. We also partnered with our 4A or Type A corporation, and they're giving two million a year for the next five years, essentially about eight and a half total uh, total. Um, over the next five years uh, to pay for road projects that they're eligible to pay for uh, that help generate new retail and industrial growth in the city. So they've got to make a determination that meets the requirements. Once they make the determination, uh, the road project's eligible. So wow. it, 
we're trying to be very creative. We talked about a street maintenance, like a street sales tax. Um, and uh, that came, those wheels came off, and that's why DCOA, our Type A corporation, is now making some contributions to road maintenance. Um, is your full 2% right now is, is totally utilized? Our full 2% is utilized. We've got, um, we've got uh, money. Uh, we got half cent for Type A. Uh, half cent for property tax reduction and a penny for the general. Okay, I, I think it's important to talk about uh, you know how difficult these decisions are when when you're in a community that's on an island by itself. I mean, you you guys are out there. You provide services for not only Abilene but basically the entire county. Yeah, well, I, I think eighty nine percent or ninety two percent of the population of Taylor County lives in Abilene. Um, yeah. that's, that's changing. Uh, frankly, as, as time goes by, the Southern Taylor County is growing, um, at, at a faster rate, I think, than we are. Um, and that's, that's going to provide some interesting dynamics and interesting demographic shifts. Um, as time goes by, it's one of those, it's one of those things you worry about as a city manager a little bit, especially now that the state's pretty much taken away our ability to annex anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, God bless them for that. So, uh, but you're left with what the tools you have. And so you try to make it all work, but, but yeah, it's, it's, um, we are a uh, it's called the big country out here we are the we are the most important city in a 22 county region um and uh, we have all the hospitals we have all the shopping we have all the retail with the population center um, we have the dias air force base we've got a very large agricultural sector as well as part of our economy people uh, don't think about that but abilene is a, a multi-million dollar hundreds of million dollars annually in agriculture um and so it, it really is kind of a um an urban hub in a rural, a more rural environment than the Metroplex or Austin for sure. But, you know, we have our, our suburbs as well. Uh, they're just in a, on a much smaller scale and much more rural, but we provide water to them. Um, you know, there's uh, mutual aid agreements for fire, even for police. Uh, and so you've got to be the big neighbor to help everybody out. Regionalism is, is a real thing even out here. Um, and you've got to make it work. You got to band together and, and find a way to serve the public. Yeah, I think I think we could talk for hours about the changing uh, landscape in Texas as it comes to annexation reform and mm-hmm. what that means for cities. And uh, I've had lots of conversations with county judges about what that means for counties. Uh, I don't I don't think anybody really has stepped back and looked at the fact that counties are going to have to provide service levels that they've never provided before and be able to get the legal authority from the legislature to do it. Uh, yeah, it's going to be tough. And the revenue, because the legislature just capped their dollars, too. I, I think these last two or three legislative sessions, are, as time goes by, going to look back as really a dark time uh, for Texas as a whole. And not to disparage any of our elected representatives in Austin, because they, they, they do their job, they work hard, It's but it's just a function of a philosophy that's there right now. And it really needs to change. The Texas miracle, from an economy standpoint, isn't driven by the state of Texas. It's driven by cities. And we need the freedom to be able to do that, or Texas is going to end up in a world of hurt, in my opinion. Yeah, we've talked about that in previous podcasts, really you know, trying to explain to people, especially who aren't in the state of Texas, who may be listening to us, that how diverse the state really is, how different uh, you know, Travis County and Austin are from College Station, even though hey. they're only 100 and – yeah, I mean, how many miles apart are they? 170. Yeah, 170. So, I mean, it's 107, sorry, miles apart. So, I mean, we're – you know, trying to explain to folks that uh, these are very different communities with different populations and, uh, and the state has really kind of uniformly changed everything the same way. 
is is going to be it's going to be wild to watch for the next 10 years. It will. And I think it may take that long to kind of shake out. Um, but uh, again, I, I don't think that this is a, this sort of, you know, we hate cities and counties that you heard expressed by uh, our speaker and the representative from Lubbock. Um, I don't think that's the majority of our legislators down in Austin. I think it is uh, a powerful group uh, with uh, but, but I, I'm, I'm really hopeful they're a minority of folks, uh, but they are very powerful at this point in time. That's for sure. They, they are that they are that. Well, Robert, uh, I want to thank you for taking time to talk to us about what's going on in Abilene and, and really an awesome project that you guys are doing downtown. Excited to see that. I think a lot of city managers, uh, especially young and up and coming city managers, see what some of these cities around the state are doing uh, and understanding how difficult those projects really are and how much time it really takes uh, can be, uh, you know, just daunting for po- folks to see. So I want to thank you for taking the time to kind of explain that for us and, and really give everybody the the gauntlet of what you guys went through to get those projects done. Hey, it's really my pleasure. And anybody, I'm in the TCMA directory. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Robert. And we appreciate you coming on. You bet. Take care. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. Apologies for the sound quality issues. We will figure out that whole Skype thing. Show notes for this episode are available at zackcast.com slash seven.